this is Dustin, and today on Talking with No Bro, we're chatting with Brad Anders. Among the many things that Brad is, he is passionate about arcade games and has a collection of his own in his home. Brad, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. How about you? I'm great, man. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your background with arcade games. Do you remember, like, first arcade? Where, where did that love start at? Oh, yeah. So I was born and raised in Jefferson City, Missouri, and we had the Capitol Mall uh, in Jefferson City. And so as a kid, if my mom would go to the mall, of course, uh, I would be dropped off at the arcade. And that was, of course, was Aladdin's Castle arcade. And it was just phenomenal. It was one of the uh, one of the stores uh, over by the movie theater. Uh, they something at that time. It was called Capital Two Theaters. They, they just had Capital that just had two theaters in the uh, in the mall, but right across was this magnificent arcade. It had everything that you'd ever want, you know. And in the early '80s, when I was going and playing, that's when all the greatest games came out. So I would have, you know, rolls and rolls of quarters. Well, I shouldn't say rolls and rolls of quarters because my mom would never give me that that much money. But she'd sure. give me a few dollar bills, you know, and I'd be able to go get, you know, five six uh, tokens for each dollar bill. And play, you know, as much as possible until uh, 1983 when Paperboy came out. Um, Paperboy was probably the most groundbreaking one for me until I uh, hit uh, Dragon's Lair. And Dragon's Lair, uh, again, was a uh, Cinematronics. Uh, it was a laser disc game, interactive, and it cost 50 cents to play. And I remember going to Aladdin's Castle you know, with the general amount of money that my mom would give me. And I would be out of money inside of like three minutes because it was just so hard to get through any level. And you had to die in order to get better at that game. You had to learn, you know, the exact movements and the timing and everything else that went down with it. So I'd be out, you know, four or five bucks in a matter of three minutes because it was literally 50 cents each play. And uh, when you're dead, you're dead. And it was just uh, that kind of fueled my... uh, uh, my love for the game just for some, making it so difficult and trying to, uh, you know, trying to get better at that game. And then, of course, when I started getting to my early teens, I would go to what was called Marvick's Roller Skating Rink. And Fridays and Saturday nights, religiously, my parents would drop me off at Marvick's and I would uh, roller skate and I would play Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong and Zaxxon were the two staples that were at, at Marvick's. Uh, of course, they had air hockey and they had foosball. Uh, and that sort of thing. But I would spend the majority of my time sitting in front of that Donkey Kong game, watching people who were better than me, you know, watching them to see how far they could get and how many levels they could get and the score they'd be able to get. And I always, I could never get anywhere near what I wanted to be was, you know, the the high score player because the high score player got all the chicks back then. You know, you're being able to get up in the, you know, your hundreds of thousands and your points. You know, you were the cool kid, but uh, now, mm-hmm. now you're stuck around 10,000 points, you know, maybe 15,000 points on Donkey Kong as a teenager. And, um, you know, I, I played until I was 16 years old. And then, of course, 16 uh, comes with its, all, its own different challenges. And I left uh, the skating rink, never went back, uh, didn't get to really play stand-up arcade video games anymore. And incoming uh, Nintendo NES system, uh, that kind of took over. Uh, the uh, the desire to go to you know your arcades and they eventually ran most of the arcades out of business anyway your home consoles did and I always had an Atari as a child anyway uh, that the uh, Coleco Vision but uh, once the NES came out and then you know started to progress into Super NES and Sega Genesis and some of those earlier console games 
man, that really, that, that made me want to stay home. So I should stay home and play Mario three or stay home and play super Mario brothers or whatever it may be on NES. And uh, it just kind of was my love for video gaming at the time. Once I got into uh, my early twenties, I bought a restaurant at that time. So I didn't do much anything when it had to do with gaming. And it wasn't until I got into law enforcement that I ran across this guy that was selling a multicade for uh, 300 bucks. And I'd never heard of it before. It was a stand-up, it looked like Atari cabinet. And he's like, hey man, you want to buy this? It's a uh, 300 bucks. It's got 60 games on it. And I actually know it had 48 games on it. And Donkey Kong was one of them. I'm like, oh, uh, yes. So I want to, I want to buy that. So I, I bought that and that started my obsession with it. And I started watching some videos on YouTube on how to restore these things. Started looking around on Craigslist and looking around on eBay. Uh, and eBay, by the way, is not the place to go if you're wanting to buy video games. Uh, but started getting social media groups and uh, things that were arcade related and realized that, man, these things are pretty affordable. And if you can get them not working, you can typically restore them with not a lot of money. And then, you know, if there's some something going on with the motherboard, there are people that used to work for Atari that are really now, I mean, engineers that aren't really doing that sort of thing anymore, but like doing it on the side. So you start to meet these people and say, hey, man, I've got this Paperboy um, board and I'm, it's, it's not working. You mind if I ship it off? You're like, yeah, man, mail it here. And here's my fee for doing this. I'll get it back up and running. It's usually 150 bucks, you know, depending on how difficult the, uh, the repairs are, you know, your board work may run anywhere between 100 to 300 bucks. Uh, but you can do a lot of that stuff on your own unless it's, you know, something that I just can't diagnose and I need a professional. You get in there with the, the soldering iron and, and yeah. really work on those boards. Yeah, you do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I learned how to solder on a uh, on, on a motherboard, on, on, a, on an arcade. No, wow. So uh, I well, did it. Well, actually, no. The, the first time I ever soldered was on a uh, on a cat. Uh, I did a cap kit. I replaced all the capacitors in a monitor in one of the uh, CRT monitors. And you can order online. You know, you find out the, the model number of your of your monitor. You send it, uh, you know, you look it up on like arcade, uh, arcade or Mike's arcade.com, or there's a various other places you can go and uh, you can just order the cap kit and they'll replace all the cap, uh, they'll send you all the capacitors that you need to, you know, tell you where it is. Or you can give you a map, you know, C3 or I9, you know, this, this one goes here and this one goes there and you just get good at uh, desoldering and then putting the other ones back in, making sure you're not uh, lifting up any of that, uh, that solder base and it's trial and error, but I've done, I did pretty good so far. I haven't, uh, I haven't blown anything up, which is good. Yeah. Especially when you said the CRT monitors, monitors, that's cath cathode ray tube. Like that's yeah. what the TVs yeah. used to be back in the day. <laughs> that's yeah, exactly that's what they incredible. are. They're heavy. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've made mistakes on them. I've broken the necks on them. You know, and once you do that, they're done. Of course, then I've got a monitor sitting out at my trash or, I've got to, I've got to do something and it's gut wrenching to see because they're few and far between, you know, they don't make those uh, much anymore. And, uh, but it really does give you the, the original feel. So all of my games down here that I have in my basement have all original CRT monitors, except for, um, no, every one of them here does. Yeah. All of them have the original CRT monitors. You can put flat panels in there. Your, uh, you know, the, the four by three ratio, I believe is what it is a 19 inch monitor. And it, uh, it can do the same. It's just, for some reason, it doesn't have that same feel. I mean, it, you can tell, you know, when, you, when you're looking at an LED yeah. monitor, that CRT. 
Sure. Yeah. The, those old uh, vector graphics used to burn the screen. So it like, even when it wasn't yeah. on in 25 cents, you could still see yep. it on there. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Well, I, they, now they have vector monitors. They have monitors that are just straight vector uh, monitors and games like Star Wars. And uh, I want to say Tempest as, as a vector monitor, uh, but definitely Star Wars. And those are, are even more few and far between than just your, your plain old CRT. And, you know, your running price for a Star Wars with a uh, Amplifone uh, uh, vector monitor in there is probably 3,500 bucks now. And that's pretty, that's pretty high, but um Star Wars is a highly coveted game. Of course, it would be my dream game. I did own a Dragon's Lair, and uh, I owned a Paperboy. Both of those were high-priced games, and wound up selling them. I should have, uh, I should have traded them off for a Star Wars, the original Star Wars. You know, when you're, you know, great shot kid when you shoot down into the into the Death Star and it blows up. Oh, sure. That's uh, yeah, that's yeah. my, that's my, that's my dream game right there. I, if I had that one, I'd be happy. Well, I'm happy, don't you? But I, I would never get rid of it. Right now, Donkey Kong is my staple. If I were to sell any of the games that I have down here now, uh, Donkey Kong would be the absolute last one to go. So it's Donkey Kong original. It's not yep. like uh, one of the uh, replacements. No. You know, like you've seen some of the arcade games have like Street Fighter in the cabinet, but it says <laughs> right. Pac-Man on the side of the cabinet. Right. No, this is, an, this is an original 1981 Donkey Kongs in, in the original uh, cabinet, uh, original artwork. Now you can get some, I did get a replacement monitor bezel, uh, which is the, uh, you know, the, the piece of plexiglass that goes over it that kind of covers up the, the monitor. Uh, but they, there are a lot of reproduction uh, artwork and reproduction things that are out there on the, in the arcade world. You know, even the, the control panel overlay you can buy, that's that's reproduced. But the guts and everything are all completely original. Uh, it's the original board. It's the uh, original power supply it's running on. Uh, the original uh, Sanyo 19-inch uh, monitor that it's running on. It's it's all set. And it's, it's sitting next to a, a Versus uh, Excite bike right now. It's actually got Dr. Mario up on top, but I'm in the process of switching that over to Excite bike. I like Excite bike a little bit better than Dr. Mario. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me personally, excite bike, you know, pole position. Well, pole, mm -hmm. pole position was like, like a sit down inside the cabinet. Well, they had a cockpit. I mean, the, the, yeah. The one I used to play was. And yeah, then like a... Spy Hunter. I was all about the drive games. Yeah. So, you know, I like yeah. those. Spy Hunter is great. Uh, I, I own a, a pole position. I have the pole position one and two. Um, and they are notorious for... Uh, for frying their boards and you can um you, you can bulletproof them i thought this one was bulletproofed but uh, the guy I had to do it i should have done it myself but there was a guy that was coming to help me with the board at the time that like i said used to work for atari uh, and he now runs a 1984 uh, arcade there in springfield and he's the dude he knows exactly what he's doing and i thought that you know maybe uh, he'd be able to bulletproof this but i don't know if i did something to it i i, I completely 100 percent trust his work don't get me wrong uh, yeah. But yeah, it, it quit working on me. So I've taken it out and it's in my garage. Actually, it's out of my mom's house in her garage because I'm just, I was done messing with it. It was, uh, it got frustrating. So I just moved on to a different game. But yeah, well, they, that, that had a cockpit and it has a stand up. The cockpit is when oh, you wow. sit down, right? But I had the stand up version. I didn't have the cockpit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I do admire the, the real grunt work you put in here because like you said with the with the home systems and now with the phones it's so easy to just scratch that gaming itch you yeah. know with the mobile device 
but here you're you're lugging around hundred pound cabinets and in there and they're doing the soldering. That's great, man. <laughs> yeah, it's great. The first one, the very first one that I that I did as a restoration, uh, I got out of a barn, and uh, this guy sold me a uh, it was a Galaga and a Centipede, and I bought both of them for a hundred bucks. Neither one of them worked. And as I'm loading them up, I'm thinking, man, these things stink. You know, they smell like, it smells like that, that strong cat urine smell, that ammonia smell. Oh, sure. you know, And I'm loading up in, into the game, into the back of the truck. And I'm like, what have I done? This is a waste, you know, and wound up uh, getting them home and put them in the garage and I let them, let them set there overnight and walked out in the garage the next morning. And it just stunk. You know, it's just, it, the cats had to have been you know, doing their business oh, yeah. and those things for years and years. But uh, yeah, I wound up because the, the, uh, the games are full of mice. So that's yeah. why the cats are on them. <laughs> I can't count how many dead mice I found in the bottom of these things. But uh, <laughs> but you find some cool stuff, too. I mean, I found uh, I found tokens from arcades. I found money. You know, people don't even oh, look wow. to see if the money's still in there. You know, there's a uh, there are tales of people in the uh, in the arcade world that are pulling hundreds of dollars out of the dollar bill collectors and like a golden tea, you know, anything that takes a dollar bill for some reason, these people aren't taking the money out before they get rid of it. So people are sometimes profiting just by going and picking up the game and they pull more out of the, uh, out of the money bin, but then they actually paid for it. Wow. But, uh, yeah. That Galaga that I got, man, I, I, uh, I converted it back to an original Galaxian because they had, they had moved it from a Galaga to a Galaxian and you can tell the, uh, uh, the body shape of the cabinets different than uh, for Galaga than it is Galaxian. And yeah. you could see that it was Galaxian. So I, I cut off the bottom seven inches of it and replaced it and bonded that on there. You can't even see where it's been replaced and it's, you know, sealed it and painted it. And it looks brand spanking new at this point. So I've got it down here in the, uh, in the, in the arcade now, but that was the first restoration and man, it was a blast to do. It really was. Awesome. How do you feel uh, about, I remember going to Pizza Hut specifically, and they would have, instead <laughs> yeah. of the stand-up Pac-Man, they'd have yep. like a table tabletop one. You yep. know, they're called the, cocktails. They're called cocktail tables. Cocktail tables. See, yeah, so they have, have any... Pac-Man cocktail. And yeah, Pizza Hut was notorious for that. That's what they were known for. You know, they'd have a, a sit-down Miss Pac-Man table. You sit across from one another, and they've got... Uh, you know, various gaming systems or gaming platforms came out with uh, cocktail tables. There's a cocktail Frogger, you know, cocktail Donkey Kong, cocktail Zaxxon. There's all kinds of different cocktails that are that are out there. Uh, but Miss Pac-Man, of course, was probably the most popular thanks to Pizza Hut. Uh, those are still available. You can find those cocktails. I'm not a big fan of them. Uh, I have made a couple of them for for buddies. I've got a, a friend out in Kansas that uh, is a uh, is an engineer that bought himself a CNC router. And he has all of the dimensions for replica Galaga cabinets and replica Miss Pac-Man uh, oh, wow. cocktail cabinets so or cocktail tables. So I've made a few of those for friends. I'll go up there and I'll buy the stuff and I'll put it all together. Uh, I've made some stand-up 60-in-1 arcades for, uh, um, for some other friends. And, you know, it's something that I wish I had more time to do. I've got one sitting in my garage brand new that I have everything to put together that I'm going to donate to Sacred Heart. Uh, for their their bazaar, their annual uh, auction that they do at their bazaar every year. Uh, so I'm going to put that together sometime, probably at the beginning of the year. And uh, it's it's going to be a Sacred Heart themed uh, Galaga cabinet, red and white, and it'll have 60 games on it: the Donkey Kong and Miss Pac-Man and Pac-Man and Frogger and Centipede, Millipede. I mean, it's got a, it's got them all on there. Centipede and Millipede. Wow. Oh yeah. 
uh, incredible. And and then it, it's uh, just going to be permanent property of Sacred Heart. They'll use it for no, their bazaars. They're going to sell it. They'll, like they'll use it. They'll use it as a an auction item. So I'm just I'll just donate to that to them, and oh. somebody will buy it. You know, they run on the market. They run twenty five hundred bucks, twenty six hundred bucks. That you're going to buy them on uh, online for that. Of course, I can make them a heck of a lot cheaper than that, especially if I'm just going to, you know, repurpose a, a cabinet they already have. I still have several empty cabinets in storage um, that I, you know, I don't like to butcher up a game. Uh, I'm kind of an originalist when it comes to the, to these games and these cabinets, whatever it was they were originally, I like to turn them back into those. Uh, but there are uh, some cabinets that were just meant to be, you know, kind of, I, I'm trying to find the, the best word for it, just a, they're like a variety type of a cabinet. Uh, Z-back cabinets. They may have had some Street Fighters in there or something like that, but I don't feel bad about turning that into a 60 and one. I would feel bad about turning a Nintendo cabinet into a 60 and one or a Galaxy or a you know a, a Galaxian or a Galaga. So yeah. those need to, in my opinion, I like to keep those original. Yeah, it's like when a when a tax company moves into an old Pizza Hut, you can tell it was a Pizza Hut. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I like to keep that old, uh, that, you know, that, that I, I guess it's just the nostalgia. Uh, and that's definitely the best word for it. It's nostalgic to walk down here at night and turn these games on and uh, put 80s on 8 on Sirius and just sit here and play Donkey Kong. It, it's a, it's a, oh. it kind of, it takes you back, man. It is not a, uh, it, it's something that if there's a stressful day, it, man, that all goes away. All goes away. Because you're back in the arcade, man. I'm 10 years old again, back in the arcade in Jeff City playing the games nice. I used to love just they're in my house now back to simpler times yeah yeah of the games you mentioned earlier Paperboy Dragon's Lair and Donkey Kong like you you came to love Donkey Kong later in life I did seems- uh, so I loved I've, I've always loved Donkey Kong um, it seems but- like a more simple game like it's it's single screen it does uh you know Paperboy had the handles right yeah, Paperboy had had the uh, uh, the BMX handles. That your the joystick was actually a uh, a handlebar. Yeah, and then Donkey Kong's just uh, one joystick, two buttons. Yeah, just one joystick and a jump button. A one button. Yeah, all you need is jump. And then Dragon's Lair, you said was you know the laser discs. So that was that was uh, that was past the vector that that had the CRT. That had CRT monitors in them. Uh, yeah. Uh, that laser disc game, there was a uh, Space Ace and uh, Dragon's Lair were the two most common Cinematronics laser disc games. Uh, for me, Dragon's Lair was just the end all be all. I mean, it was it was a thing that just captured the eye. You know, there would be you know 15, 20 kids standing around that one machine watching somebody playing it. They got to the point where they just stick a monitor on top of that cabinet just so the crowd could watch to see what was going on. So they'd be able to watch up top or be able to watch on the actual screen itself and what the, what the player was doing. Um, but yeah. And when I, when I started getting out to the, uh, you know, out to the skating rinks as a kid, Donkey Kong obviously had its allure. Uh, I loved it. It was phenomenal. Uh, but w- later in life. Yeah. Donkey Kong by far right now is my, is my favorite game. And I think, you know, when, if you remember, there was a, there was a, um, a documentary a few years back called the king of kong and it uh documented uh, steve weeby and billy mitchell who were uh, you know kind of vying for this world record uh donkey kong score 
And Steve okay. Levy, of course, he was the nice guy, the good guy in the documentary. And of course, Billy Mitchell, they portrayed as kind of the bad guy. And it's not really true. You know, uh, Billy Mitchell's had his, some accusations of him, but man, the guy's done a lot for the community, uh, for the uh, arcade community. He's still an icon uh, when it comes to the arcade community. But that, uh, that, uh, that documentary, I mean, I could have watched that, you know, 10 dozen times and just watched it over and over and learning more about you know, how Steve Weeby would do these things and just watch. So I started to watch some of his YouTube videos on how to get better at, uh, at Donkey Kong. And of course there was a book that was put out back in the eighties, you know, how to, how to win at Donkey Kong. And it was, uh, it, it covered nothing uh, of, of the, what I know about the game now, you know, when it comes to the rivets on level four, you know, there's 16 to 18 different ways that they can come in and the different trajectories they can come in. And the only two or three times that you can go, if they come out of this certain trajectory, so you don't die, <laughs> you know, there's just so many things that goes into, uh, into that game and learning all that and then putting it into, uh, into, into play has, has been fun. But that stuff wasn't available back, you know, when I was a kid, they didn't have the internet. So you couldn't get on and find out. It was like, why do I keep dying on level four elevators? And I was like, oh, well, it's because, you know, these these springs are coming in at one of 18 different ways every single time. And there's a way to see which is the best time to run. So, you know, these guys, you know, figured this stuff out on their own back in the 80s. And uh, which, again, makes them just true icons. I'm just a I'm a poser at this point. I'm learning how to play it online. You know, and seeing and seeing when to when to run and when to jump and when not to jump because somebody told me I didn't figure it out on my own, you know. But I'm I'm getting up to you know where I'm if you score three hundred thousand dollars on on Donkey I'm sorry three hundred thousand points on Donkey Kong, but it's solely from watching videos and trying to learn how to do it um, from the mistakes and you know successes of everybody else that's been doing this before me. Sure, sure. And if if they'd had a book or uh, any instructional input. I mean, it would have cost you 25 cents every time, you know, trying every to get time. back to that point. Yeah. Try to get back to level four again. Because a, what, a quarter or with with each gameplay on arcade, you only get, what, 30 seconds of play maybe? Well, I mean, uh, it depends on what game you're playing. You know? Yeah, so I can, it, it, I've got mine set to free play. Everything I have down in my basement is set to free play, so it doesn't cost me anything. Uh, mm -hmm. But you can, uh, you know, for instance, Donkey Kong, if I were if I knew then what I know now, that quarter would last me 30 minutes on, on Donkey Kong. So I can play a game for 30 minutes without, you know, without having to put another quarter in. But, you know, prior to that, yeah, I mean, you're talking, you know, minute, minute and a half, and that quarter's gone. Uh, yeah. If you're talking about Dragon's Lair or something more difficult, you know, 50, you know, 50 cents, and you're done in about 30, 35 seconds. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> So, but you, you, you figure out the games that you can last long, you know, the ones that you, you get the best bang for your buck. And sometimes those are like games like 1941 or 1942, some of the shooter games, uh, airplane shooter games. As a yeah. kid, I'd be able to play those, you know, for a couple minutes uh, on my quarter. So I would, I'd gravitate to those a little bit more than I would some of the others because, you know, I was strapped for cash as a, as a you know, preteen and, you gotta you gotta try to uh, stretch that out as long as you can and hang out in the arcade as long as possible and be able to actually play. So I you know play games like 1942 and uh, that I could play a little bit better than some of the others that were much more popular at the time, but took much more skill than I ever thought that I would be able to have as a as a kid. So you know it it, it was still a blast, man. It's still something that uh, was very uh, significant in my life and it's kind of uh, led me to where I am now with uh, with this collection. It's kind of an obs obsession. Uh, at, at sometimes, yeah. I think 
1941-1942 had a, a vertical scrolling screen. Yeah. Yep, vertical scroller, like, of course. Excite bike would have the horizontal. Yep. So th those were, were all uh, what later eighties. Uh, well, no, those I seem to say, be a little uh, newer than. Yeah, I want to say 1942 uh, was like a, came out in 1984. Uh, I may be off on that one. Uh, hmm. Excite bike, your Nintendos, yeah, they came out a little bit later. 85, I believe, is when you, know, you started to see Excite bike uh, and some of the other versus Nintendos game, Nintendo uh, stand-up games come out. Um, but yeah, everything really started, you know, with Pac-Man, 79, and then you started to move to uh, Galaga in 81, and uh, Pac-Man, well, I'm sorry, Donkey Kong in 83, and those were really, in 1983, it seems like to be the, the stepping stone, when everything really changed in 1983, uh, when a lot of really, really cool games came out. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Space Invaders is given credit for taking taking some of the traffic off pinball and putting yeah. them in, putting right. them on a video game, you know? <laughs> yeah. Do, do you have any pinball machines or like old jukeboxes or anything? I'd love to have a pinball machine. I don't have room down here. Um, I've got a foosball table uh, that would probably take the place uh, uh, that a pinball machine would probably take its place. But I'd like the foosball table than I, I would a, a pinball. I love pinball. Don't get me wrong, but I'm a foosball. I love foosball. Mm -hmm. uh, so I bought a, kind of a middle of the road uh, foosball table that I've been playing on for the last couple of years down here. Uh, but aside from that, you know, it's uh, I don't have any. Uh, any pinballs and I don't know how to work on pinballs is the problem oh sure well I'm sure you'd figure it out <laughs> yeah hey uh so back to where you were talking about uh people leaving the money in machines you know things like uh, this I learned about this uh what's it's called Polybius it's kind of a urban legend this urban legend of a video game that was placed in like Portland, Oregon area. They put a couple of them around different spots, uh -huh. and and it was a uh, kids would come in and play, and then you know solve different kind of puzzles, and then have uh, have nightmares and night terrors, but then come back and play to play it again and again, and it was like a, a you know the men in black would place these games so right. often, or, yeah. you know periodically come in and record data but never collect the money from them and then like all of a sudden they disappear overnight like all of these right. games that's I crazy know. i have not heard that huh. yeah i I'd, I'd heard about it but i was like i was like come on like it's you know just a, an urban legend yeah <laughs> right how cool all right brad we appreciate you taking time out of your day but before you go can you give us your top five arcade games Top five, your opinion. You, you want them in order of what I think are the best ones that are that. Yeah, in my opinion, the best ones. So number one, I'm gonna have to go Star Wars. All right, I love right, the game. Of course, I'm I'm a Star Wars nerd to begin with. I, I'm 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 geeking out over Mandalorian, which is odd for me because I'm more of an originalist when it comes to Star Wars stuff too. Uh, prior to Disney uh, taking over and and doing what they've done, uh, the expanded universe and the books and all those things are just fantastic to me. So, uh, yeah, Star Wars, and then after that, I'm going to have to go with Donkey Kong because it's just uh, probably my favorite at this point. And then I would go to uh, – um, see, that's going to be a toss-up between Paperboy and Dragon's Lair. Uh, I would probably – I'd probably take Paperboy first, then Dragon's Lair. And number five, hmm, 
let's see. I could go with just the uh, Galaga. I'd probably, I'd probably have to go Galaga. I'd put that as a, as my personal number five. It's Galaga is, was a, uh, you know, a groundbreaking game and it uh, was the, you know, the successor of Galaxian, but Galaga offered so much more than, than you could get in Galaxian, you know, mold rapid fire and, uh, you know, Galaxian was pretty much just a beautiful version of Space Invaders, but it, it just had, uh, I, I really liked, I liked Galaga. So yeah, those would be my top five, I'd say. All right. Well, Brad, thank you very much. You bet, man. Hey, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. All right. Thanks. See ya. Thank you for listening. You can stay up to date with No Bro Art Events by following us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thanks again.